Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Joe Cox, the founder and managing partner of e-commerce accountants, the leading accountancy in the UK for e-commerce businesses. Before starting his firm, Joe was an e-commerce seller himself. In 2012, he, along with some friends, began selling on Amazon to escape his day job, as of all things an accountant. In 2016, he was looking to outsource the accounting function when he realised that no accountants in the UK specialised in e-commerce. Well, that was it. He went full circle and founded e-commerce accountants. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, Joe Cox. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me. And it's good to know that all the money that we spend with carbon, that you spend it actually on the product rather than buying nice headphones and things for, for the directors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's plenty of money going on the product. That's for sure. <laughs> How are you? Yeah. It's nice to see you. How was your trip to Reno, Lake Tahoe? <laughs> yeah, it was really fun, actually. I think um looking forward to next year already. It was good. Nice to meet yourself and all of the team. Yes. And did you find some like-minded accountants around the world to sort of compare notes and get some ideas? Yeah, completely. I think that is the one thing I'd say that like, the biggest benefit of going there was it wasn't to necessarily, you know, get, get, yeah, get any to sort my of shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to get upsold. So. <laughs> yeah, which you did a very good job of. Well done. Yeah, that's it was good. great. That's it, good. That's I'm doing my job then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I mean, to see the other firm that's from the UK that was there, they were, you know, like five, six years ahead of us mm. in terms of how long they've been going and their their team's like three times the size. So it was like pretty inspirational to meet them and see what they're doing. And then, yeah, just so many other people that were like either similar size or like significantly bigger and to see how what they're doing and how they're using carbon. Yeah, it was really inspirational, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, no, the um, Gary and FLB, they've done an amazing job, right? So, and their growth is solid. What, um, Joe, has your growth been at the moment? What, where are you finding some success in the types of clients or marketing channels that you're using? Growth for us, to be honest, at the moment is, is kind of tapered off and relatively flat. Mm. A large part of that is self-driven though. Like we've, we don't spend any money on advertising at all. Um, so we've got kind of mm. zero ad spend and we've recently kind of, we keep changing our pricing and increasing it. And it's, it's effectively mm. because we want to make sure that we're being like pro- not only profitable, but making sure that we're working with like the right kind of clients. So we're almost not deliberately, but we kind of ha- got like a bit of a one in one out policy at the moment. And that's been going for about six to nine months. And the mm. kind of logic is that if we work with fewer clients then we can do a better job with them but as long as we're kind of charging the same or more then it's better than taking on more work and getting stressed and yeah and it's working quite nicely to be honest like when we're spending a lot of money in uh, software and new technology like the um i don't know actually what you guys are calling it but the business intelligence thing like the extra all the connectors the kpi the practice intelligence yeah <laughs> yeah the practice intelligence i know stefan's working i'm in some of the the threads where he's going back and forth with sadat good yeah, so we've not not fully implemented it yet, but I know Stefan's getting there with it. Good, good. And in terms of channels, I mean, for us, Google, like I think because of our our name, e-commerce accountants, like we rank quite well for yeah. accountants for e-commerce or UK accountants for e-commerce. And 
so for all of those sort of keywords and long tail keywords, we're usually like one or two in where we are. So we get quite a lot of organic traffic coming through. But since we've changed our pricing and we're quite public and open about our pricing, very transparent, I think that's put a lot of people, it's put them off us basically, like not to say that... Keeps your demand lower. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, for now, it's nice to get a bit of breathing room. Like we're still working with a lot of probably more interesting businesses now than, than we had before. Like a lot of people before were just like anyone that was starting an online business and getting started. And then what you would find is after six to nine months, they might fail or it wouldn't work out. So it was a bit kind of, you get on top of like a set of books or something and then the client closes down or leaves and you're just like, oh, what was that for? Whereas now we're getting like quite complex problems. People that their other accountant hasn't been able to figure out how to like deal with the data on various sales channels and things. And then we are able to do it. It's like way more fulfilling because then once you've kind of got them set up and working, they're because they're not cost sensitive because they see the value in the work that we're doing yeah it's good and let's go back to the start a bit but you've you got a fascinating story how you came into e-commerce accountants how did it all come about it started before like i suppose before the the accountancy practice was set up i had i was basically working as an accountant somewhere um, and then my friend come up with basically approached me with the idea of like starting an online business he'd done a course online that he spent about five grand on which we were just out of uni and that was like obviously tons of money at the time um, and he basically was like i paid for this course online like do you want to do it if so if we start another business and you put the money in for it then <laughs> you don't have to pay for the course i was like oh okay that seems fair then because he was like really really into it and really wanted to do it and i believed in it basically and essentially that went really well to the point that like where I was working as an accountant I was earning like way more money with this kind of side hustle mm. but I never wanted to like I've made sure that I focused and like still finished my qualifications and things because I always knew that I'd have that to fall back on <laughs> and when I finished those we then spent a few years like working on the online thing full-time yeah and then we just couldn't find an accountancy in the UK that we could just that I couldn't just give the books to. Mm. And like, I had a bookkeeper that was working for me and I had like, you know, like we had a team in the UK, like we actually had an office and like a lot, we had a lot of um, products that we were making and selling. And um, yeah, it was just, I'd kind of quit accounting because I didn't really enjoy it. Started this online thing, which I really enjoyed, but then ended up basically being an internal finance function. <laughs> and I was like, I really don't want to do this. I really want to just give pay someone to deal with it. But I really resented it. Any of the accountants in the UK I'd speak to just didn't understand our business or our business model. And then I kind of, so I carried on doing it and I just saw that the domain, the e-commerce accountants was available. I was like, that's just crazy oh. that nobody's got that. <laughs> like, so I just bought it, not with the intention of starting an accountancy, I just to sit on it and just, if ever I needed yep. it. And then, yeah, a few years later, I, I kind of, I was off traveling and my friends were doing other things, my business partners and kind of, we had other friends that were, um, oh, sorry, well, our office dog at the moment got sad because his owner's just gone out and he started crying. Um, so he might start barking in the background. But yeah, basically, <laughs> like when I came back from this like big, like this traveling trip, I um, kind of needed something, a new project to get started with. And I was like, oh, I've got like a small portfolio of clients because other friends had started online businesses and things. I was like, I've got the domain. Ah, oh, why not? Like, let's let's just see and um, <laughs> let's just go and do it. <laughs> yeah, and then like kind of six years later, you know, we've got a team of like twenty five people. Past couple of years, we've kind of doubled in size in both like revenue and team size each year. Mm. So yeah, and then now we've kind of dealing with all of those the sort of problems I suppose that come from running a service based business. Whereas before, I had different problems which were like 
like physical products basically but it's like a slightly different set of problems what's more fun <laughs> good question I, I ask myself that sometimes i think in some ways this is way more fulfilling mm. when you're working with people when you have like good outcomes and especially like trainees and things like that when you're able to like train someone well like help them like develop i kind of find that's been surprisingly satisfying whereas selling products online was very much just like money 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 because all you're doing is like making stuff selling it and then you just dealing with like one star reviews or five star reviews mm. so it's a bit didn't it wasn't as like enjoyable at the end of it whereas this like when you do a really good job and help a client although you still get paid and you might get paid more if you've done a really good job you also have that satisfaction of like oh this person's paid me for like my knowledge and my service and or my team what they've done like it much more satisfying mm. and are there some clients or a client that comes to mind where you've sort of watched them grow and been on the journey throughout oh yeah there's a there's quite a few actually um and there's like a few in particular that well one specifically who started basically who's been with me from the very beginning and it was kind of like his business has grown now and they're in the same building as us as well. And that's a complete coincidence. Like we've got our office here in London and he, he started off, he came in to my old office when I was like renting this little dank basement <laughs> and he was just like a one man band. And at the time he was an Amazon seller, but, and he was also then become an employee at Amazon. And basically we've kind of carried on working together and he quit Amazon, like sold his first business, started another business and now he started like a consultancy to help people that sell on Amazon. Mm. And um, just a couple of years ago, we moved into this building on the Friday. On the Monday, they moved in mm. and they've got like 15, 16 people in their team. And like, we actually have like quite a lot of crossover in terms of clients. I mean, sometimes we don't even realize until we're doing like someone's VAT return and we see his company's name like has been invoicing <laughs> and we're like, oh, nice. You're like, Cause you know, client confidentiality, you can't really talk about it too much. So yeah, quite a few that like that. And the obviously there's been a big tailwinds from COVID in e-commerce and everything. Have, have you sort of seen that drop off a little bit since the world sort of trying to restore a little bit to normal and Brexit you guys have got as well? <laughs> yeah, like so when the pandemic happened, it was actually insane on our side because I think like most of the world was kind of doom and gloom. Mm. But for us, we're like when the way we work with our clients, we usually get like secondary user access to a lot of their accounts mm. and like things like Amazon and Shopify, they're quite visual. So you can see like graphs of, of sales and things like that. And in that sort of, well, at the very beginning, it was like, no one knew what was happening, that the world was going to end. And then in the like May, June, people's sales were like, you could just see all these charts that's like, mm. spiking higher than they are in Christmas and like mm. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like those days are insane. Mm. And this was higher. And it was just weird to kind of, you could just visually see through these different accounts, like what everyone in the world was suddenly doing, that they're all buying this stuff online. And then for us, we were just swamped with work because we had all the furlough sort of things to deal with and bounce back loans in the UK and all the sort of government stuff that come out. But also there were just so many people starting online businesses and we were just waylaid with stuff. But then you fast forward like another year, all of the Brexit changes were kind of implemented and there were a few tax changes there which basically made it more difficult for, there was like a certain loophole that got tightened where to do VAT where they, they had lost a mar large part of their margin. So loads of um, dropshipping businesses, which is when they 
kind of they sell the goods they have a shop online someone clicks buy but they actually place the order from china and send it directly to the consumer in their country of origin mm. and um so all these drop shippers their business model just kind of collapsed because one of the advantages was that they didn't have to pay that mm. so they all closed and then there's kind of been quite a a correction basically in in how people spend their money and shop online and mm. there's been like definitely a a drop down in terms of client like new businesses and, and the kind of sales when you look at them now or I've, some of them are flat but most are like 25 percent i'd say down on what they were last year yeah but probably overall the trajectories yeah gone well there's a big lift and then it's sort of dropped off a little bit yeah and what since brexit have you sort of interest rates are going up what's the mood in london over summer at the moment i don't really know if that's affecting Maybe I'm just not talk, going out and talking to too many people about <laughs> about that. I'd say there's more. Um, everyone seems a bit positive. There's uh, good, the women's good. Euros. We've just won. Yeah, so everyone's quite happy about that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think the fact that kind of our government have just been like, ah, coronavirus doesn't exist anymore, has been kind of nice because we're yeah. all just walking around blissfully enjoying ourselves. Mm, mm. The, and. Um, you guys have got an interesting model. You've got the office there in, in London, but uh, you've got quite a, a remote workforce as well, don't you? Yeah, most, like, I mean, Stefan, who you met, is in Canada, my mm. business partner. But he's, like, originally, he he actually lives around the corner from the office. Right, okay. He's kind of went over there on a sabbatical just before COVID and so should be coming back. Don't know. We never know when. <laughs> um, and there's a few people dotted around. But, I mean, like, primarily we've got, like, a core team that are here in London but being set up, obviously using carbon, and we were using it way before the pandemic, we were already able to work remotely and kind of, I kind of originally set the business up with the intention that I could work remotely because mm. I enjoy traveling and things like that. Mm. But then as the business has grown, I've found that I've been able, unable to do that because I've got so yeah. many other things <laughs> to focus on. That yeah. Wait, what about, where's, are you traveling again this year? Where's the plans? There, no plans. Like I've just been away to the south of France and. I've got no, I mean, I've got a, a stag do in Ibiza. Oh, <laughs> in, oh in God. Oh, God. No, no actual travel. you're preparing for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually been before, so I don't know what it's going to be like. But, um, yeah, the guys I'm going with, I think, love it. So be different. There you go. Mm. And so in terms of the your workforce and the types of clients, you, you're sort of trying to push up the value chain, aren't you, and and, and charge more, get bigger clients, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the main thing we're trying to do at the moment is move, I suppose, from doing compliance work into advisory kind of value-add work. Yeah. And when you go to all of the different conferences, that seems to be the, the hammer that everyone's hitting, hitting you over the head with. Mm. But mm. I feel like... It's easier said than done mm. and you know, to, especially to do it properly. I don't know. Maybe I'm like a perfectionist and will worry about making sure it's really good, but I wouldn't want to. There's quite a lot of moving pieces that we're trying to get in place first to make that work. Mm. You know, like for us, like e-commerce businesses have primarily they've got like inventory, which is the main thing on their, their balance sheet and affects their profit and loss. So like for us, unless the client has that sorted, we can't, it's very difficult to then offer any value add services because you need to make sure that's sorted. And then to try and get a standard system where they all do it slightly differently and use all different channels, like is something we've not been able to solve yet. And that's kind of been because a lot of the team have got 
so much other work on their plates, which is again, partly why we're increasing our pricing so that we can work with fewer clients and then get some headspace to do like work on that work. Mm-hmm. And what about, so when you go, when you go and do those types of services, have you got some virtual CFOs that you roll out or what's the plan for, you know, uh, the advisory aspect the plan at the moment is so another thing we've struggled with is probably our structure, mm. the organizational structure. So we're currently trying to fix some of that. We've got a couple of managers and just trying to, I suppose one of them's their last day's tomorrow, actually. So we're kind of looking for a placement for that. Mm. And you kind of can't, yeah, that's basically taking priority yeah. over trying to like get a plan for everything else because just get too swamped otherwise. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Okay, so what about other countries? It's primarily just UK clients at the moment. It, Stefan's in uh, Canada. Have you, so international plans or that's all too hard? Yeah, probably at the moment not, like, eventually, mm. not probably. Yeah. But I think making sure, like, I don't really feel like we've fully conquered and mastered the UK. Yeah. So that it would be a bit silly to, like, switch focus and try and do anything anywhere else because there's still a lot of work for us to do here. I think once we've like mastered the advisory stuff here and got, you know, a big enough team, whether that's like a hundred or 250 people, then I think we can start looking at Australia, New Zealand, America, Canada, those sort of places. Not to say never, but yeah, just learning on the different taxes. I mean, probably Australia, New Zealand would be easier for us conceptually to get, Mm. right? Because GST is quite similar to VAT. Because I think sales tax and dealing with that in the US seems to just, I feel like US accountants don't really get it. <laughs> How can we go there and, and kind of deal with that if, if, yeah, if they don't? Yep. 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 What do you think? Do you think we should think about that or do you think? What do I think? I think that, no, nah. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> How would our carbon look? Oh, that'd would, be all right. would there be a way yeah, to yeah. have it set up yeah. to have like multiple branches? Yeah, and... you'd be right. We can create a couple of new tenants and you could split them out or you could join them together, whatever you like. That's the beauty of the reporting. What do you mean by tenants? When you're in carbon, you, we call that a tenant. Okay. And so some of our customers with multiple offices, franchises and stuff have different tenants per, you know, one tenant per office. So you could, and then you could join them in, together in reporting, right? So you'd, each tenant would have different customers, but, uh, and different staff. Were they both, staff can be in both tenants if you want. <laughs> oh, cool. Is that the, so like in the top exactly. left, you'd be able to exactly. change that's, your like yeah. instance of yeah. it? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. That's cool. We love you guys as customers, but tell me more about the tech stack that you've got going on at the moment. What, you're a pretty uh, technically forward, technologically progressive person and firm. How does the tech stack stack up? There you go. <laughs> well, first and foremost, carbon. <laughs> We've got that for our practice management. Then we use, I suppose, for bookkeeping, zero. But I don't know, would you consider that as part of the oh, tech yeah. stack? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you yeah, 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 so yeah. Like, uh, Zero for accounting and, again, oh, sorry, for bookkeeping. And, and we're very process orientated and like, so if a client comes in and says oh i want to do quickbooks mm. then we would say okay that like, unfortunately yeah. we don't don't work yeah. with that and it's not because one's better than the other it's just because that's the yeah. one we use yeah so zero there's an integration called link my books that pulls through data from amazon and shopify right. and things like that so we use that for a lot of our 
kind of connecting our platforms to zero. Slack for internal messaging, mm. which I know you're not. Oh a good no, fan we of, we but, use it too. Yeah. I was just, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I could never find anything. I f- I think that it's um, it's a necessary evil of some sort. I don't know the alt. I haven't found a great alternative. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, in some ways, it's better than email. It depends on the, I suppose what what it is you're talking about, right? Like quick messages, it's really useful. Longer messages, probably email. Yeah, or notes or something like that on yeah. carbon. We used something called One Password for our passwords management, which I think is something is really important for, yeah, for, you, for, you, for accounting you guys, firms, yeah. like to make sure you have something to, sh- yeah, to share logins and Keeping things like that. Keeping that organised is important. <laughs> yeah, massively. And I mean, there's lots of small ones, but no, I suppose Salesforce is our CRM, oh, okay. but then we're open to changing that. I think we just, I think Stefan started using that to begin with because it's fairly flexible and has lets you do a lot of connect to a lot of things but i think most accountants seem to use hubspot right yeah yeah i mean yeah hubspot and pipe drive is a bit yeah we don't see a lot of salesforce up the big end you see um a bit of dynamics and things as well when's carbon gonna sort out let people send bulk email yeah well that i mean we need a more direct connection to mailchimp that's for sure i think email templates are probably before bulk email i reckon like your marketing mm. stuff you, you do in your marketing platform we just need to provide a better mm. way to get contacts in and out that's all that would be cool so, so for um templates actually we use another app called Textblaze, which is like a plugin to chrome and it you kind of type slash like you can create loads of oh, yeah. kind of like mail merge things really really cool so we use that until obviously you guys introduce similar there you go. Yeah, well, we started doing some AI stuff in, you probably don't even notice it yet, but in terms of timesheet suggestions and contact suggestions and a few things. So there is some interesting, I mean, there's, there's so many interesting things or there's so many interesting aspects of uh, and technologies that are available now, not only in enterprise, but, you know, the Azure platforms and the AWS platforms are, are making available pretty fancy technology to anybody it's just about you know applying it in pragmatic ways and getting the getting the res- getting the time just to to be able to do mm. it right. <laughs> what about reporting? I mean, you you guys must have an enormous amount of <laughs> reporting requirements for your clients in terms you know with inventory and balance sheet and perhaps a bit of cost accounting or something in there. Do you mean like what sort of reports like do we yeah. use or get? Because like that's something. I suppose as part of like this move to advisory that I'm trying to instill in the firm is that I think there's a lot mm. we could be doing, but at the moment we kind of basically use all this, the basic stuff that comes out of zero. I mean, zero is pretty good for its, its reports yep. that we need. And then everything kind of really that gets a bit more technical comes down to a spreadsheet and a bit of elbow grease sometimes. You know, like I said, is we've not got one approach for the inventory stuff. So it, it kind of, has ended up being a case by case basis, like on how we approach it for each client. We went to ZeroCon three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, and um, that was one of the things that we were looking for. There was like a one inventory solution that we're going to re- recommend to our clients, and I think we found it, but we've just not spent the time to like be able to start yeah. implementing it because for now, like we can get reports that look as as good as as anything, but. If if they don't show the inventory and the cost of goods sold, yep. it's not very useful. But yeah, I mean, one thing I'd like to be able to do or spend some time doing is to try and 
now we've got like 250, 300 e-commerce clients is kind of collate the reports to be able to effectively like benchmark and show, like I said, in that it like, it would have been really cool at the start of the pandemic to be like, oh, everyone's sales have gone up. Like look at the data, like to show that or to at least be able to sit down and have that discussion with the client to say, well, everyone else has gone up, like yours has gone down. Like, What are you doing differently? Like, I think that'd be quite cool. Do you have uh, a consolidated chart of accounts that you that you use across all your clients? We do, but again, it's basically the zero mm. default one because that, like, when you take clients on from someone else, they're probably the default one. And then we've got a few extra ones that are just based off of those numbers, but with like different letters yep. and things like that for the different platforms. And what about, yeah, so if you had that, you could sort of, you know, get all your reporting match out the clients, do you consolidate your uh, zeros in a warehouse or something like that to be able to report on it yet? No. See, that'd be kind of interesting. Not yet, no. There's, there's quite a few. Where where that's, do I even start easy. with that, though? Like, that's I don't easy. know. Yeah? Um, yeah? Can you let me oh, set no, up no, no, for no, a few days? No, 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 we can't afford that. <laughs> oh, well, you no, can come and do it, I don't mind. It. I'll, I'll fuck, you can come I'll and do it and it go to Harrods yes, again. Yes, t- um, <laughs> that, 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 that pudding it will forever um, <laughs> be famous in our house. <laughs> no, no. So, so the way that we put KPI together, what happens in the background is there's a couple of sort of technologies that we use. I mean, Snowflake is this underlying warehouse, and there's quite a few ways that you can get mm. your general ledgers into Snowflake and per client, and then you would require some, you know, a consolidated general ledger. Right, sorry, a consolidated chart of accounts would help with the reporting. But what's the one that we with the warehouse that we're building with you guys would like? Would we basically have a separate warehouse for this sort of project? Like, or can do you? Is it best practice to basically have? I mean, like you know, like on the spreadsheet, yeah. you have separate tabs, right? Like, is that? I mean, I've I've got no experience with these things. I've just left it with Stefan. You wouldn't put it in there, but you could use the same sort of um, technology. I found it so. Where's, if we got a chat? Yeah, look. So that we're starting to think about using this merge.dev, merge.dev. And what that does is enables you to integrate any accounting system with another, right? So you'd be able to take oh, cool. the, if you have a look at the, um, you know, the zero, for instance, or the QBO, mm. what it does is it'll take any of your, accounts, purchase orders, you know, contacts, any of those and from each of your clients mm. and put them in the warehouse. And then you would use something like a Tableau or a, any kind of report, a presentation layer for reporting to be able to extract them out and, and compare and contrast. That'd be pretty cool. You could then do benchmarking across your clients. You could look for trends. You could look for margins. You could... Mm you know, pretty much be able to provide value back into your clients based on how they're doing compared to others, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, if you sat down and had a conversation with a client and said, look, your Mm. sales have actually dropped compared to everyone else's, like what have Mm. you changed, what's going differently? It might not be nice to hear, but kind of prompts you to think about it, doesn't it? Like you don't just think. Yeah, I mean, the reporting across types of products, right? Like, you know, this category is... Your margin is 40% and their margin is 32. You know, you've got eight points advantage. You know, you've mm. got to try and drive home that or, you know, whatever it might be, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, 
Or it might just be that that person sells barbecues and the other person sells, I don't know, umbrellas. Barbecues are a bit um, of match. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why there's a difference, but it... <laughs> everything's... It's, have you seen it, like, is everything still out of China? Have you seen sort of some, cons- uh, some, you know, a bit of a move away from Chinese-produced products or not? Honestly, it seems that most of it, mm. most of them still are, but then I don't get... Like I probably don't get as mm. involved in the weeds, I suppose, as I used to. So um, I only see, you know, if I'm reviewing work, I, yeah, I don't dig too much into where their suppliers necessarily mm. are as much as I used to. Like when you're more involved in the bookkeeping and, and the accounts, you end up seeing it much more. I mean, the ones that, a few of the ones that are the most successful at the moment, actually, they do buy, their suppliers are in the UK, but they're, they're like supplement sellers and then so like selling you know, all sorts of health supplements. And I guess if you're selling stuff that people are going to consume, probably makes more sense to get it from a bit of a more trustworthy or like more quality controlled source. So no, I get it. Yeah, I get it. What else comes to mind? What have you got going on personally that's that's uh, interesting at the moment? Joe, have you... Uh... <laughs> what have I got going on personally that's interesting i mean interesting to me is the, the fact that my house has got asbestos and i've got builders oh, in there fuck. over the past few weeks messing things up and it all Jeez, been that's, that's, that's going on for expensive. way longer than it should have <laughs> yeah a little bit and when stuff runs over and then they're like oh it'll cost you more yeah and they left they left and we as we were unpacking our house we found in one wardrobe dust and plaster oh, all over our stuff so we were like you know shit is this asbestos so we've been having to sleep in our uh Front room on the sofa. Has your back? So, yeah. It's a wonder I look so fresh. Yeah. The um. Well, I hope you get that sort. Yeah, but when 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 was the house built? Because there's a lot of old (laughs) shit in in London. (laughs) Yeah, forty nine, fifty years ago now. And the lady before us was there the whole time. The whole times. Yes. Okay. Right. So. So. um, just driven to church on Sundays, right? Yeah. And one owner. Yeah. There exactly. you go. And there's a <laughs> church right next door to it. So she just rolled out. The, and, yeah. um, <laughs> it's going to the, I mean, I love London. We're up in, um, Cheltenham, which was fascinating. And, um, some of the, you know, like old, everything's old, right? Like here, Australia, the, here in the US, particularly in Nevada. Like, you know, p- people build houses in 2006 and they're knocking them down <laughs> to build something new. Yeah. It's, you know, like it's a massive cultural disparity between the two, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like probably the church next door to my house is yeah, mo- older most than of America. America. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a couple exactly. of hundred years old. And, uh, so my, my team are slowly leaving as we're doing this. They, they had the pleasure of getting oh, to listen go. to one side of the, <laughs> the interview. The other side wasn't that interesting anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Hey, Joe, well, look, it's been uh, – I love catching up with you guys and, um, you know, your support for Carbon is is uh, amazing and we, we appreciate you so much. If there's anything that we can do to ever help, no, we, we'd love to. And um, if there's um, – whenever we're in town, would be great to catch up. No, definitely. Not, when, not, have you got any not plans the moment, to be back in London? You never know what happens before the end of the year. Mm. And the next carbon event? Any? Um, yes. Any yeah, discounts yeah, for the, yeah, the people yeah. we'll, that are flying we'll, we'll more than sorted, you know, a couple Don't thousand miles? It. We'll get you looked after. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the huge Thanks, effort. Stuart, appreciate um, we'll, we'll get you on stage next time. Yeah, I'll be up for that. I don't mind. Talk about how transformative uh, all the, the BI stuff is. As long as, as long as we get it finished, I'm sure. Oh, no, you'll be right. Sadat and 
and you guys will get it sorted. No worries. Yeah, amazing. Sounds good. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. No, amazing. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com/resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.